Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Rabina podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us for our Advent series. Advent is not merely a time where we celebrate Christmas and the birth of Christ, but rather a moment where we eagerly anticipate the return of our King. This series aims to use the Old Testament prophecies to remind us of the good news of not only Jesus' birth, but His reign and the moment He'll come again. To find out more about our Christmas services, head to church.nu forward slash Christmas. But for now, enjoy the message. Hi, everybody, and those online. My name's Brad Foote, and I'm one of the ministers here at New Life. And uh, it's my great privilege to be able to um, begin uh, the Advent season uh, that is starting uh, this week in churches all across the world. As you came in this, this morning, I hope you noticed some things that were a little bit different. Yes, there was a jumping castle and there were people uh, having sausages, which we'll be able to partake in afterwards. But there was a couple of little Christmas trees around and there's uh, two on the platform here today. So I think it's beginning to look a bit like Christmas. How good is that, huh? So this is the first Sunday in Advent. And uh, we're going through, for the next four weeks, the promise of love, the promise of hope, the promise of peace, and the promise of joy. And today I get the opportunity to share about the promise of love. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Let me know if any of you have ever heard of Michael Caine. Put your hands up if you've heard of Michael Caine. He's an actor. Oh, a lot less people in this service than in the earlier service. There was about two-thirds of people in the earlier service. There's only about one-third that have heard of Michael Caine. Well, he's an actor who, back in my day, uh, made a name for himself. And in 2009, he was having an interview And uh, he was just sharing some of the things that had navigated his life in a way. Uh, People sometimes call them axioms. Uh, Anyway, this is just a life lesson from Michael Caine. And he says it this way. I was rehearsing a play and there was a scene that went on before me. Then I had to come in the door. Now, they rehearsed the scene and one of the actors had thrown a chair at the other And it had landed right at the front door. So when I came in and opened the door, I saw the chair there and rather lamely said to the producer who was sitting in the stalls, well, look, I can't get in. There's a chair in the way. And the producer said, well, use the difficulty. Use the difficulty, he said. If it's a drama, pick up the chair and smash it. Or if it's a comedy, fall over the chair as you go in. Now... That line has stayed with me ever since. Use the difficulty. So today, as we enter into this journey, I'd like to just add that into the things that we're going to learn today through Scripture. My story, as a young kid, I used to go to Sunday school. Not not as many these days proportionately go in Australia to Sunday school or kids' life, as we call it now. And I learnt a bunch of Bible verses off by heart so that I could get a sticker or a chocolate or a lollipop. Anyway, it worked. And I now, to this day, have got a bunch of Bible verses that are ingrained in my mind 
And one of the ones that I have is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Put your hand up if that it makes any sense to you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. There's only a small... Well, this is going to be good for everybody else. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. In fact, every Friday for the last four months, we've been standing on this platform at Crossroads and we've been singing a little ditty to that song. So if you were my Crossroads community and I asked if you knew Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, every one of them would be able to put up their hand. And today happens to be the International Day of Persons with a Disability. So I just want to acknowledge that here in this space and for those online, this church has a wonderful ministry to people in the community with disabilities. However, with that Bible verse, it's on the screen, it says, he will make your path straight. And so that's what I learnt off by heart and that's how I expected my Christian life to be. But it really isn't the reality. Family disconnect, teenage rebellion, financial limitations, relational choices, selfish attitudes and bad habits. And they're just my issues. My difficulties, let alone yours, use the difficulty. So, look, I'm not telling you anything new. It's always someone else's story, isn't it, until it happens to you. For example, in my early 30s, my wife Lynn and I had been trusting in the Lord with our hearts, and as a young married couple, we'd been testing and discerning a call to ordained ministry in the Uniting Church. We'd also begun a family as we had journeyed through this long period of testing and discernment. And I eventually gave up my work in a bank after 13 years and began the arduous journey of study and training. We were trying not to lean on our own understanding and acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, expecting God to lead us on this Proverbs 3 journey, a straight path. Then a week after Lynn's 33rd birthday... She suddenly got ill and was in a coma for five days. Within a week, she was gone. One Sunday, she was in the church at Broadwater Road, carrying a baby down the aisle because he was being baptised. And the next week, she was in heaven. It was just a week before our ninth wedding anniversary. And all of a sudden, I was a single dad with three young children, one aged five, one, two and three quarters, and a baby six months of age. This was a real curved ball, and I was now living with this disconnect of this particular verse that I'd learnt off by heart as a kid and had tried to live it out, but my path wasn't going straight. However, um, I trusted, continued to trust in the Lord. I continued to lean not on my own understanding and acknowledge the Lord in all my ways. And with the help of our local kindergarten, with the local church, with my parents and with my parents-in-law and community around me from college, we found a way of navigating our way through not a straight path, but one that was very different. Well, seven years later, I got to marry Cheryl. With her four children and my three children, we became the Bradley Bunch. <laughs> it's the story of a man named... Yeah. And now, 22 years later... Um, here we are, 
Cheryl's sitting down the front as the producer today, as she often is each month. Some of our kids are in other uh, places and towns and possibly could be watching online. And one of our daughters is here today um, about to give birth in February. Which brings us through some of the journey that's going to be talking about our promise of love today. So through that difficult time, I learned that my rote Bible verses had other words from different translations to help describe those verses in Scripture that have been translated from Greek or from Hebrew or Aramaic into English for us. And I found that the New Living Translation and the King James Version use these words at the end of that proverb. It says, He will direct your path rather than he will make your path straight. That made a huge difference to me because having God direct my paths, whichever way it went, was so much more palatable than expecting as a Christian to be having a straight path. Now, it obviously makes good sense and it is definitely not a mistranslation and I'm not trying to take the easy way out. It's just a different way of saying much the same thing. God is still leading and directing your life as you put your trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And as I think about that, I think about my own selfish desires. Stop leaning on my own direction and put my faith in God as number one in every situation. And then you'll be guided by God in the direction to take. I hope you're sort of getting my drift. Because life is always going to throw us curveballs And there's numerous turns and unexpected twists. And in my early years, I remember moving house a whole heap of times as a minister's kid, going to new schools, having to make new friends, going to different towns, right up until the time I finished high school. And in my selfishness, I had to work through the resentment that had been built up through these non-straight paths until in my late teens, I made a faith commitment through my youth group And I got to learn that the promise of love to me through Jesus and his birth and his life and his death and resurrection were going to carry me through. Now, as we look at today's scripture, which I'd like to ask you to get your Bibles out or your electronic devices, we're going to have a look at a couple whose life was presented with some choices where they could make a choice of their own free will or they could fulfil the promise of God's love for the world in a way that nobody could have ever imagined. So let's read um, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. If you haven't got your Bible, um, it's on the screen. This is how the birth of the Messiah, Jesus, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Curveball. What am I going to do? My wife-to-be is pregnant. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph! Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, 
And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Wow. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Have you ever heard that name, Emmanuel? Those online, do you know what it means? Does anyone know what it means, Emmanuel? God with us. That's right. So the prophet of old said he will be called Emmanuel. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave them, him the name Jesus. Well, this was where I was going to do a gender reveal and pop the balloon so that you could find out what, pre, what um, gender baby Jesus was going to be. But the angels already spoiled that for us. It's going to be a boy. Anyway, a few curve balls for Mary and Joseph. Some real difficult issues to deal with. Betrayal, mistrust, whose child is this? Gossip, the whole community around and judgment particularly from those religious around them. So we see from Matthew's Gospel that Joseph was a man who was faithful to the law, verse 18. And the law said to him that he should get rid of this person who has broken the marriage covenant or potential. And it says in that scripture we've just read that he was compassionate because he didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace by divorcing her and quietly leaving her as a pregnant woman on her own. Now, as disruptive and unexpected as all of this situation potentially appears to be, Joseph had several choices, as we always do in many of life's situations. The emphasis that Joseph was faithful to the law could suggest that as a young boy in Sabbath class, he could too have learnt Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, just as I did in Sunday school, which probably taught him to trust in the Lord with all his heart, to lean not on his own understanding, acknowledge Yahweh in all his ways and he will make your path straight. Or alternatively, if they had an NLT or a King James version of the um, Old Testament, he will direct your paths. I'm not sure how many straight paths there were in the land of Israel in those days or in Joseph's time. I don't imagine there were very many at all. You know, they would have followed the pathways from um, around where the donkeys or the other animals had created a path. And the only real paths had been uh, hewn out by the Romans as they had created um, highways for their troops to move from one place to another. So... It was the political and the religious climate in that period of time that we've just read in Matthew's Gospel that was right for God's promise of love to be fulfilled. And scholars and historians call this period in history the Pax Romana. It's called the Roman Peace. The Roman government was making life very challenging for those who are living under this authority and it wasn't a peace that was like a shalom peace. It was a peace with the power of the government. And this power of the government had commanded everybody to go to their hometown for a census. Joseph had come from the town of Israel. And Mary 
had been living in Nazareth. And as an example of this iron fist of Rome expressing its power and control, everybody had to go to their place of origin. A difficult curveball, a difficulty. Use the difficulty. What are they going to do? Well, in verse 21, it reminds us that Mary is going to give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, which means he will save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus was a fairly common name because I guess it was an expectation that their child will do something wonderful. Mary itself is a name that means bitterness. And then this baby, according to Matthew's account, will be the fulfilment of Isaiah's prophecy. Over these coming weeks, we're going to hear how the different prophecies of the Old Testament were fulfilled in Jesus. And so from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him God with us. So this title for Jesus is the one who's going to save the world through this promise of love, through this God who wants to leave heaven and join us in this space. Quite a magnificent and unbelievable um, expectation. And yet in John's Gospel, he says it this way, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, Jesus, who called everything into being through God in Genesis. One version says that the Word became flesh and pitched His tent among us, us Aussies. This time of the year is a time of holidaying. Many of us will go camping at this time and we will be pitching our tents or going to a unit or a complex or going on a holiday, taking our caravan. And we'll be probably, um, in some of those instances, the only Bibles that people will get a chance to read. As Dina was in a refugee camp and she met some Christians who prayed, their lives were living out um, the series we've just had, Dining or Dinners with Jesus. Here in this refugee camp, this young Muslim girl saw these Christians and said there's something different. So as God pitches his tent among us over this Christmas season, how will you invite people to your table? And how will your life be the Bible that they will get to see? The statistics tell us that in Australia, less than 50% of Australians call themselves Christian. So we are now officially in the minority. I'd like us to have a look at this verse, um, this quote from Michael Michael Green on the screen. This is the promise of love, God's love. The Father loves us enough to send His Son, the one who shares both God's nature and ours. He comes to rescue His people from their sins, which are more deadly enemies than Rome. In Matthew, we hear that Jacob did not have sexual relations with his wife Mary, even though he could have. He'd paid the bride price, he'd paid the money. But because in the dream, the angel of God had spoken to him, he maintained his integrity so that the one who shares both God's nature and ours is that incredible gift to us, fully God and fully human. Now, I've always struggled and wrestled with the virgin birth, but I can believe that more um, than some other things that I hear. 
Now, my wife went on Wikipedia just to check about this virgin birth thing. And she found that some uh, Christian religions hold this in such high esteem that they say in their theological understanding that Mary maintained perpetual virginity for the rest of her life. But as I read the scriptures, I find that Mary had other children. And there was a period of time when Jesus was um, starting his ministry and his family were really having a go at him. And so a perpetual virginity is not really what the Bible tells us. And so I really um, have have, have appreciated the opportunity for me to do some digging around in this space to prepare for this message. So I've been reading about the nature and the character of Mary and Joseph. I've been impressed by their willingness to submit to the will and the direction of God in their lives. God's incarnation, we call it at Christmas. Becoming flesh, dwelling among us, is the declaration of the divine longing to be with his creation as it was in the beginning. Now, Christmas for all of us means lots of things for lots of reasons. But I've always got an image of Mary and Joseph going from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And it looks a little bit like this. There's this Christmas card image that I have of Mary and Joseph on the donkey uh, heading from uh, Nazareth uh, up to Bethlehem. And it's a journey of um, 90 um, 90 miles, about 150 kilometres. And in my mind, it's, it's reasonably static. And the passage of Scripture that we've just read for me is also just factual. It just tells us the um, important facts about Jesus and his, birth, and his birth and God speaking to Joseph and, and inviting him in to make some choices when the curveball or the difficulty confronted him. Use the difficulty, Joseph. What are you going to do about this? And then Mary. And so as I've, um, a couple of weeks ago, well, probably two months ago now, I picked up this book. My wife and I have purchased some bookshelves and this book has been sitting in a box and um, it used to belong to Rabina Surface Paradise Uniting Church for Greenwich Court Rabina. Because we used to once upon a time have a big library here and um, it was in a massive um, uh, vault that got wheeled in and wheeled out every Sunday and as time went by, you know, things changed. And um, anyway, at some stage, I got hold of this book along with a whole heap of others and it's been sitting in someone's factory for a real long period of time. And uh, we've bought some new bookshelves and I pulled this one out and I thought, oh, The Lineage of Grace by Francine Rivers. I'd heard about Francine Rivers as an author. And here in this book, The Lineage of Grace, it talks about Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba and Mary. Well, I've gone straight to the Mary part. And I just want to read to you a little bit so we make this Christmas thing a little bit more real. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Now, look, I don't have a fireplace because we're in Australia. But boy, oh boy, we've got a good air conditioner in here today. And later on, when you go out into the courtyard and have a sausage sizzle with our bikies that are coming, who are on their way now with all their toys that they've been collecting, I'd like to read to you a little bit about Christmas for Mary and Joseph on that very first time. As I said, the distance from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 150 kilometres. And I can't imagine, and as I've just read, um, that Mary and Joseph would have done that journey on their own. There weren't M1s and highways and, you know, we can go from here to um, Sydney now in nine hours. How good is that? Through tunnels and all sorts of things. 
He will make your path straight, it says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Well, life's not always like that for Mary and Joseph. And they possibly joined a caravan of merchants, camels and all those sorts of things. And that journey for them would normally take about four days if you're in a hurry. But if you're taking your time, and Joseph was a considerate man. He loved Mary. And so he would have made sure that she had as comfortable a journey as um, she could, ready to give birth. And so it probably took them about a week as they joined this camel train. So sit back and relax and let's hear. Over the next few days, they camped by fresh running water. Then began the long, hard climb into the mountains. On the seventh day, Joseph watched grimly as the caravan moved away from them while he and Mary remained behind to observe the Lord's Sabbath. He knew that they would catch up the next day for the string of heavy laden animals could not move as quickly as a strong donkey whose only burden was a small girl and food enough to travel. Still, Joseph worried. Mary broke bread and handed Joseph his portion. Her fingers brushed his hand tenderly. God is watching over us, Joseph. Her eyes were as soft as a doe's, her faith as strong as a lion's. They caught up with the caravan the next afternoon, then slowed down their pace to match that of the slow, plodding animals. They passed by Mount Gilboa, where King Saul and his son Jonathan had been slain by the Philistines. They travelled through Dothan, where Jacob's son Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. They spent the day talking about his life and the Israelites' slavery in Egypt. More than 400 years had passed before the Lord spoke to Moses from the burning bush and used him to deliver Israel. And another 40 years had passed while the disobedient generation had wandered in the desert until finally their children entered the promised land. Soon the promised land will be, belong to us again, Mary said, her hand caressing the curve of her belly. God will make everything right. God will make everything right. Hallmarks of Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. If we trust in him with all our heart, if we don't lean on our own understanding and acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, he will make everything right. Sounds a bit better than having a straight path, doesn't it? And so for me, reading that book has been a wonderful opportunity to put some life and feeling and emotion and conversation into that context. And we're going to move into communion now because this is the demonstration of love. The end of Jesus' life as we explore the beginning of Jesus' life now in this season of Advent. Can you imagine how difficult it was? No wrapper ripping, please, just yet. We're not there. I'll go back to the table in a moment. Just creating a pause for you as I leave our home. And now we enter back into worship. For those online, you might want to 
get something uh, on your table or around in your lounge room to prepare for communion. Please, no ripping. No ripping. Let's just let God speak to us and we'll get to communion. Someone can help you if it's necessary. We've got a whole bunch of motorcyclists coming. They come to worship maybe once a year in this place together. We've just had a series. No ripping. It's okay. This is important. God's speaking to us here. Don't get distracted. We've got people coming here to our table today. Hundreds and hundreds of presents. 16 years these bikies have been coming to this church, a lot longer than most of us. I've only been here 10 years. And every year I'm out there welcoming them. Today I've got the opportunity to prepare you rather than to prepare them. How good is that? Dinner with Jesus. The image of God is in every one of us, both in this room and outside. As those guys and girls have been travelling around the Gold Coast today, picking each other up from all over the Gold Coast and beyond, getting toys and presents to join with our hampers. Many of you have contributed $60 or $5 or $1,000 so that people on the Gold Coast can have their lives transformed and changed by the promise of love. How magnificent is that? And we get a bunch of middle to old age bikies on the Gold Coast to join with us, or maybe we should say for us to join with them today so that they can bless people in this community in a way that many other people don't have capacity to do so. New Life Care builds a bridge and an entry point into hundreds and hundreds of lives over this Christmas period. And delivering a food hamper and some toys is, is a gesture. But if there's space at your Christmas table today, scan on the app and invite someone if that's where God wants to lead you. Or if you feel alone and disconnected from this church, don't keep blaming those people that don't talk to you in the courtyard. Scan the code and say, I'm lonely this Christmas because there's a challenge and an opportunity for us to change that trajectory because the choice that you will take today to use the difficulty for God's purpose to happen. And so as we move from the birth of Jesus to the death of Jesus, one of the things I've read in Scripture in my Christian journey is that Mary treasured these things in her heart. The first 30 years of Jesus' life is fairly obscure. We don't know a great deal about it. But we certainly know about the three years from His time of ministry to His time of death. And I'd like to just read you some of the opening lines in a few of the Gospels when Jesus started His ministry. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, this is what Jesus said as He started His ministry. The time promised by God is near. The kingdom is at hand. 
Repent of your sins and believe the good news. And in Matthew 1 verse 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 4, 17. And finally, in Luke's gospel, I love this. In his own hometown, the local boy goes into the synagogue, into church, and he unravels the scroll of the book of Isaiah and he reads this prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. And the time of the Lord's favour has come. So the Kingdom comes, the Kingdom has come and the Kingdom will come again. And in this meal, this is the declaration that we are making together as God's body, as God's family, as we break bread together around this table, as we welcome the community of the Gold Coast Cruisers and their family and friends, as we bless the gifts that we placed on this table in a few moments' time, and then they're distributed all over the Gold Coast. The Kingdom continues to come until Christ returns again. I'd like in our preparation for communion to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples when Dina said, what God are you praying to? Tell me about Him. The disciples said that to Jesus. Tell us how to pray. And so Jesus taught them. And some of you might have learnt the rote prayer, the Lord's Prayer years ago. Some of you may not have ever heard it. But today you will hear the family prayer that Jesus taught us. And I'd like you to say it in whatever way is most comfortable, the natural way that you learnt it whether it's in Old English or a contemporary version. If you've come from another country to Australia, I'd like you to say it in the language that you might feel comfortable saying in when you learnt it as a, as a child around the Christmas table. So let us do that in preparation for communion now. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you take your little post-COVID communion, personalised one-on-one thing, it sort of smacks against what communion's all about, everybody having their own little individual thing. But I guess that's the world we live in, the world of selfies and iPhones. We won't call this iCommunion. This is God having coming and dwelling among you now. And as I break this bread, I'm reminded of the story that goes with it. It says that Jesus, at the time of His betrayal in an upper room, He took bread and He broke it. And He gave it to His disciples and He said, Take this, all of you, and eat this. Do this in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming My coming until I return again. The Kingdom has come, the Kingdom is come, and the Kingdom will continue to come as we live this out. So just take your little wafer and silently pray a prayer of confession or just a personal dedication at this time.
So as God's body was broken on the cross through Jesus, beaten, bruised and bloodied. Jesus also took the cup after supper and saying, this is the cup of the new covenant, new wine I offer to you, the cup of salvation in my blood poured out for the world. So could we, for those who can stand, would you please stand and as an act of communion, the union of us as God's people, would you take your grape juice now and let us drink together and be thankful. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful gift that you give us every Christmas as we keep retelling the story that Jesus came and dwelt among us. He is the promise of your love demonstrated for the world. Thank you for that gift which continues to live on in the faith, the witness and the demonstration of your people called together. Christians all over the world of different groups and denominations, people who call you Lord and Saviour. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your might. Thank you for your love. And as we welcome into this auditorium now, the Gold Coast Cruises, our Kids from Kids Life, and the gifts that are going to be given to people on the Gold Coast. May your kingdom come in us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or connect with us through our Instagram or Facebook page. For more information about Christmas at New Life, head to church.nu forward slash Christmas. We pray you have a great week and a very Merry Christmas. Be blessed.